You're listening to Bridges to Excellence, inspired leadership in payments and fintech. On the show today, payments legend, Obi Rawls. We limit our, um, our capacity as salespeople when we sell on price. And there's still a lot of agents in the marketplace saying, let me see your statements and let me tell you how I can save you some money. So I think salespeople have to be smarter, have to be more forthright, have to be focused on verticals and what all the needs of that verticals are and how they can um, solve multiple problems for the merchant at one time. Welcome to Bridges to Excellence podcast, inspired leadership in payments and fintech, bringing you conversations with payments' most fascinating people on top of their game. Leaders, influencers, experts, and innovators. Each weekly episode turns our guests' wisdom into practical advice. Their personal journeys are meant to inspire and challenge you to explore your possibilities. Here is your host, Desmond Nicholson. Obi Rawls is an accomplished senior level executive with phenomenal success in fintech, payments, and banking. He previously served as CEO of Global Payment Processing for PaySafe and CEO and president of iPayment. His career of more than 30 years also includes senior level executive roles with First Data, now Fiserv. Hypercom and Bank of America. OB will be taking us on the twists and turns of his journey, including his most recent move joining the firm of Wesley Hills Financial as partner and executive director. And of course, along the way, he will be sharing with us a few insightful, actionable takeaways. So stay with us. OB, welcome to the show. Desmond, thanks for having me. It's really nice to be here. It's nice to um, connect with you after all these years, back from our first day of the days. Obi, for me, it's a privilege having you on the Bridges to Excellence podcast. There's no question in the fact that you're among the most respected and admired professionals in the payments industry today, especially within the ISO community. So again, thanks for being here. Now, I understand in 2020, you attempted to retire and failed miserably. Is that true? That's true. Uh, I really was not very good at retirement, but I would give people who are following my footsteps and thinking about retirement, this advice, never to retire in the middle of a pandemic. You know, <laughs> you can't travel. You advice can't. well taken. Yeah. And so I quickly kind of, wrap myself up at work again. Pleasantly, though. Very pleasant. Coming out of COVID pandemic, you started the consultancy firm of Jerobon Advisory Services. And since then, a few months ago, you joined forces with Wesley Hills Financial as partner and executive director. So I guess there's no slowing you down, is there? You know, I worked for a guy named Joe Palmieri one time, and he said, look, I can rest when I'm dead. That was his most <laughs> sage, sage advice indeed. Yeah. Of course, uh, Obi, a bit later, we will get into what Wellesley Hills Financial is all about. 
and of course, talk about their go-to-market proposition and also pry into what attracted you to them in the first place. But first, let's start with your backstory, shall we? Sure. Take us back to your earlier life, where you grew up and what your life was like while you were growing up. So, Desmond, I grew up in eastern North Carolina, 90 miles east of Raleigh right on the coast of the inner banks in a little town called Washington, North Carolina. Very small town, population of under 2,000. You know, it was an agricultural fishing town. And I grew up on a farm outside of town. It was a great way to grow up in the country. We didn't have a lot of money, but my parents seemed to manage our lifestyle. So I never knew I was poor until I was grown know, during that time growing up and a good life. It was sort of like the book Hillary Clinton wrote that it takes a village to raise a child. I had Mm -hmm. nine uncles and aunts around us. And so I had 10 sets of parents growing up and it was a fantastic way to grow up. A lot of fun. No chance of going wrong. Well, you were caught every time you did. Uh, now, where did you uh, go to school? I, I went to school. I got my undergraduate degree at East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina. And it always surprises people when I tell them my undergraduate degree was in social work. And so I actually worked for two years as a parole officer. And I found out that government work was just not for me. I seemed to have too much ambition to fit in with the slower pace of state government work. And then I went to work for Bank of America. And while I was there, I went to college on the weekends at Queens University in Charlotte. And that's where I got my MBA. So you're now with Bank of America. Should I assume that's where your payment career started? Yeah. I worked for the bank for 18 years, Desmond, and spent did a lot of different things in, inside the company. Lived in six different cities in the 18 years that I worked there. We were growing and we had sort of a go-to-grow mentality inside. And my last assignment at the bank was running. I was living in Norfolk, Virginia, running the, the credit card acquiring business for the bank. And we had a, a crisis inside the bank and needed to raise cash. So I was tasked with finding a partner to finding someone to either be a partner with us in merchant acquiring or to sell the firm to. And we ended up negotiating a joint venture with First Data. And we created a 50-50 venture called Unified Merchant Services. And that's how I moved from bank acquiring into the enterprise and learned really a lot about payments back then. Unified Merchant Services, we were the fourth largest acquirer in the U.S. back then. So it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of small business accounts and some large accounts. We acquired a couple of big airlines, including American back then. So a really good education early on in my career about acquiring. So UMS was among the first uh, alliance partners that First Data had then, right? 
It was. We were number two. Wells Fargo was first. Deborah Rossi created the first joint venture with Roger Pierce. Because your career with First Data was, a, I guess, a maze of twists and turns. Okay. So can you walk us through the highlights, those milestones of that period and the roles you played? Well, yeah, it was very interesting uh, back then because the payment space was primarily manual, Desmond. It was a paper-based transactions. Merchants, at the end of their business day, carried their drafts to the bank, paper drafts that were deposited into their banking accounts. And we were switching from paper to electronic processing. It was also a time where there was a lot of growth in processing. And so business was expanding rapidly. We were educating the marketplace on not only taking credit card transactions, but taking credit card transactions electronically. And it was really exciting because we got to help a lot of merchants. Discount rates then were fairly high compared to now. And merchants were very resisting to taking credit cards. They thought it was an added expense to their business. And they didn't understand that the more options you have for the clients to pay with, the more your businesses grow. And we sold a lot back then on the value of credit increases, average chicken size, and therefore more profits for the merchant could be take cards. So you were with the UMS Alliance, I, I think it was from about 1993 to 1995, where you That's were right. the president of that alliance. I was. Okay. And then, then from there, you moved on, I think, to Nation. No, I was at Joint Nation Venture. before. I call it Bank of America now because oh, not right. many people remember the oh, name. Oh, I got you. Name. But when I left there, I went to the UK and built the Lloyds Bank Joint Venture for First Data. And I was the first general manager of that. Now, that was about 1998. Yeah. To say that 2000. There was, was a really interesting period of time when I was with UMS. We won the bid to process for the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. And that was an exciting time. We actually did one of the first smart card pilots at the time for the 96 Olympics using Hypercom terminal and, and Visa cards. It was a lot of work. And we had okay results. We were a little ahead of our time in the U.S. So hoping to use smart cards, but it was a good learning field. Can you elaborate on your experience with Lloyd Bank? And that's the Lloyd Bank TSB in Baseldon on the outskirts of England? That's right. Of London. Lloyd Bank was much like you know, other banks in the growing credit card business. They, just like Wells Fargo, just like... Um, Bank One and PNC and other banks that became allies of First Data in the acquiring process figured out that as a bank, their costs were too high to be in a competitive merchant acquiring business. And so by outsourcing their infrastructure, creating an external sales force that weren't bank employees, the alliances were able to compete in the, in the selling process much better. If you remember around 
I guess, 92 and on. That was the beginning of the era of ISO creation. And so sure, these organizations that were just really good at selling and were good at buying wholesale services from uh, the major processors changed the market. They were very competitive in the marketplace. And banks with their existing infrastructure at the time just weren't competitive. And so it was a very opportune time for Fossil. If you remember Roger Pierce and Linda Mock and Scott Lofton, sure. that was they created the acquiring program. And we just took what we built in the U.S. over to the U.K. with the Lloyds Bank joint venture. And that joint venture is still in existence today. Well, uh, I, it occurred to me as you're talking, that was the last meeting I think you and I had. I'd gone over to London, to Lloyd's, uh, to help set the stage for bringing their sales folks over to the United States yeah. at our sales training academy. And I remember the day when we sat down in the meeting, you were there, you gave it your blessings, and you had to leave for a meeting. And that was in 1999. Yeah. So that was the last time you and I were in a meeting together. <laughs> well, uh, where did you go after there? Well, I came back to the States. I spent uh, three years in healthcare, and that was an interesting time. And I tell you, when I ran just as fast as I could back to the payment world. It was a nice experiment, and I learned a lot, but it just wasn't home. So after I left the healthcare arena, I went to Hypercom in Phoenix, and there I ran global sales and operations for Hypercom, um, I guess, on all around the world. So I went back to London, spent a lot of time there again, rebuilding the distribution networks in Europe in Asia um, and Latin America. But during this time, not but, excitedly during this time, the electronification of payments was growing significantly. People were understanding the value of using what was called a credit card terminal at that time for card acceptance. And it was uh, an exciting time. The world was rapidly going to electronic payments and consumers were more comfortable in using credit cards. And if you remember back during this time, the whole economy of Europe was changing in the Reagan years, the Iron Curtain came down, but all throughout Europe, there was a creation of middle classes that hadn't been there in the communist world. And so consumerism was growing unbelievably. But with that consumerism, growth came, the growth of credit card sales and processing. Um, in the beginning, especially if you look through Slovenia, Slovakia, Hungary, the Czech Republic and that whole world that was the Eastern side of the Soviet bloc, they were hungry for consumer appliances, washing machines, and, um, dryers and refrigerators and most of those were processed using credit cards during that time frame 
just an amazing period of growth. And I remember the Hypercom all-in-one terminal. Yeah. Those were the days. Oh, yeah. Well, um, after Hypercom, I actually went back to First Data and uh, spent some time with First Data right as we went private. And so I came back and I ran Task, which was the hardware sales arm. Okay. Data. And um, from Task, I did a lot of different things inside the company in that nine-year period of time. I had a lot of the sales force for large merchant services, so accounts from Sears, Walmart, Kmart was still around then, um, McDonald's, and so large national and global retailers, uh, petroleum companies. And then we had new business development and we had relationship management for those companies. I had the, the ISO channel, the bank channel at one time. And my last job there was running um, the third party distribution business or the ISO channel as we know it. So in the nine years I stayed there, I probably had seven different roles in the nine years. And the value of that Desmond is you just pick up so many different tools that you can put in your toolbox and things you learn along the way that hopefully make you smarter and wiser and more balanced in your approach to the marketplace. Absolutely. So that's task. Now, where did you go from there? When I left first data, went to iPayment. When we went, when we did our transaction, okay. we went public again. I had to stay around six months after we filed. And so then I took over or the largest ISO in the world at that time. And we were a troubled asset. We had more debt than we had in revenue. We had maturing bond portfolio. And so we had to quickly refinance the company um, and build it up. But I payment at Simp Desmond was a really, really good asset, good people, good processes. It just had poor leadership and poor management of the sources that we had. But we were able to turn it around and we sold it to PaySafe for nine hundred and sixty some million dollars. And that was a really good win for the employees and the shareholders. And then I stayed with PaySafe for a couple of years, retired at the end of 2020. And since that time, I've been working as an advisor, a consultant. I have some board seats and we've done a couple of investments in small fintech companies along the way. Now, tell us more about PaySafe, your function there. At PaySafe, I ran global acquiring for PaySafe. It was primarily a North American and a European business. Yeah, we had no business in Asia or Latin America. We were solely in the North American continent and Europe. During that time, I had small business acquiring, large, you know, merchant acquiring, e-commerce, gaming, um, so it was a broader role and 
again, I put a few more tools in the toolbox. How would you describe your leadership style? I think I'm a team builder. Uh, I'm a um, communicator. I like to gather information. I like to solicit advice of the people that are below or above me in the chains. And then I recognize that with all of that input, as a leader, it's my responsibility to make a decision. I'm not a consensus builder in that terms. I try to understand what I'm charged with as a leader. So I gather a lot of information, hear what people have to say, listen to opinions that differ from mine and others, and then make a decision. But you can't leave anybody behind. We're all on the same team together. So we move forward and mm -hmm. we win together. And if we lose, we lose together as a team. Okay, now we've come full circle. It's now 2023. What are you doing now? So about almost six months ago now, I knew the guys at Wellesley Hills Financial and I had the opportunity to make an investment in the firm and to join as a partner and as the executive director of the firm. And I'm really having probably more fun than I've had in a long time, Desmond, in this role. Wellesley Hills is a uh, boutique investment bank headquartered in Boston. We focus primarily on buy and sell side activities. So we help people buy and sell their businesses. And we have three focuses. We do traditional payment deals, sales of ISOs, sales of small payment companies. But we also have, especially in the FinTech market, for FinTechs that have some type of enabling technology that help them stand out, that help them be different and differentiated in the marketplace. And then we focus on FinTechs that have some type of software play or in the B2B space or a SaaS model. So we have three areas of focus. FinTechs with technology FinTechs that are software or SaaS driven and traditional payment. What attracted you to the firm in the first place? And what is your day-to-day -day role? Mark, so my day-to-day -day role with the firm is Primarily rainmaking, you know, um, creating a path to uh, opportunities for us um, and then deal management um, in the process, but you know, primarily rainmaking. We've significantly increased the pipeline since I've come on board and um, we've changed the focus of the firm a little bit to be more focused in these three areas. But we're really uh, primarily a sell-side investment bank. We eat what we kill. We generate fees from <laughs> the sales of our properties. And we don't exist unless we create the transactions and help them be successful. Okay. Over the years, CEOs and business leaders have shared their thoughts on the phrase work-life balance. What does that mean to you? And would you phrase it differently? 
I would call it work-life imbalance. Instead of, at least for me, Desmond, I, I don't know if I'm a workaholic. I, I know that over the years that my family suffered from traveling. I've got over five million, well, four and a half million air miles on Delta and a bunch of miles on other airlines. And so I missed a lot of birthdays. I missed a lot of family gatherings. Uh, if I were doing this all over again, I think I would spend a little more time at home. You know, mm -hmm. And I should have found a way to do that along the way. So I wasn't very good at work-life balance. Hard work doesn't build wealth, true or false, and why? No, it doesn't build well. I learned to say it a long time ago, plan your work, you work your plan. And so mm -hmm. you have to plan who you want to be and where you want to go. And then you have to set goals and you have to uh, understand what it takes to achieve those goals and how to win. And so I know a lot of people that work hard every day. They don't have, mm -hmm. they don't have the right mix of ambition, timing, fortune. Fortune plays into a lot of wealth building in itself. So it's always nice to be good at what you do and to have the wind at your back to push you forward. So unfortunately, hard work does not create wealth. Hard work is just one part of the combination to success. Got you. What was a low point in your journey? And what was that like? Yeah. Everybody has low points in their careers and then their journeys. And in my case, I kind of lost the way in thinking about how I treated teams, how I planned for success. And I had a period where I was more autocratic. I wasn't listening. I wasn't being the type of person that made me happy as a leader. And when you come to that realization, you realize that you changed. You're not who you thought you were or who you wanted to be. And so I really had to work to get back to a point of more balance in my life and to be a better person. And when I did that, I was happier. I worked better, more efficiently, and had better results. So balance to me is the driving force behind our success and our happiness. And it's in business terms, you have three entities you have to support. You have your shareholders, you have your clients, and you have your employees. And you have to figure out how to solve and to serve all of their needs. And if you let either one of those overpower the other, then the wheel gets wobbly, runs off the tracks, and you don't perform as well. So to me... So it has to balance. be balanced. Balance is the key to success. Great. Now, what emergent technology has caught your eye that 
holds great potential for the payment fintech ecosystem. And why is that? I know it's the buzzword of today, but I really believe that AI, that artificial intelligence used in the right way is going to change the way we use data to drive our decisioning. And machine learning can calculate and provide um, opportunities and solutions to us faster than we can as people. It's a tool. It's not the end. We have to treat it as a tool and use it as a tool. And we shouldn't be scared of AI. But if you think about some of the algorithms that are used today for embedded finance and embedded um, lending and embedded banking, they tell us so much information about our clients. And so if you're a company that has uh, embedded banking services, by having the checking account of the merchant, you get to see how they spend their money, right? And knowing that and understanding it and analyzing it allows you to build a whole host of services in insurance, in finance, in lending, in payroll and company management techniques. And you can create an offering of products and services to your client base that we don't see today. I've always thought that the best way to keep a merchant happy was to be able to sell him a lot of products and services. But our distribution system's not set up for that. If you think about most of the new merchant sales still come from third parties in the marketplace, and they're singly focused. They're I'm going to sell this merchant account. The merchant needs to buy payroll. He needs to buy insurance. He needs to finance his pizza oven. He needs to do a lot of things, but we can't sell it to them that way through implementation of AI and then through other embedded tools, then we can offer solutions that these small businesses want and it helps them stay in business longer. And if they do, guess what? We stay in business longer. Mm -hmm. So to give you a good example, I think Square's use of cash app of deposit services of software services. They've been one of the best at offering products and services to their small business clients. So AI is a tool for me. Okay. Now a decade ago, the CEO of a top acquirer predicted that transformation within the industry would bring about the demise of ISOs and MLS sooner rather than later. Do you think this prediction will eventually become true or do you see a strong future for the feet on the street? Uh, oh. What can agents do to help ensure their survival in the coming year and beyond? You know, honestly, I think that agents could be endangered species, Desmond, Desmond in the marketplace, but not anytime soon. The world okay. is becoming increasingly focused on verticals and how to service those verticals better. Most of the agents in the field are generalists. And so they're going to have to change. People still like to buy from people. So the last mile still exists in all types of selling. 
but we've got to be more focused on what the merchant's needs are, more focused on how we can help them solve those needs instead of just saying, hey, I got a product for you and you need to buy this because I can save you 10 cents or I can offer you cash discounting and you can process for free. It's bigger than that. We've got to become more professional. We have to become more broad-minded and we have to have um, other products and services that merchants want to buy to exist. And I really believe that there is a continuation of the sales model if we get better at what we do and if we focus on merchant success instead of agent success. What do you see as the greatest challenge facing the payments and fintech space right now? This is a naive answer, but I think it's selling on price. I still, I think mm. we limit our capacity as salespeople when we sell on price. And there's still a lot of agents in the marketplace saying, let me see your statements and let me tell you how I can save you some money. So I think salespeople have to be smarter, have to be more forthright, have to be focused on verticals and what all the needs of that verticals are and how they can solve multiple problems for the merchant at one time. That's not going to be easy. Obi, with such rich tapestry of career accomplishments over the years, what would you most like to be remembered for? You know, Devin, that's a question I've never, it was one is I've never been asked that before. And two is I'm not really sure. I think in the business world, I want to be remembered for being fair, being progressive, being successful. As you say, as we talked earlier about leadership, you know, wrapping our arms around the team and all of us celebrating success together. So to me, fairness, the ethical treatment of employees, of the ethical treatment of clients and customers and providing returns to shareholders that are fair is important. So. I just, um, I just still don't, I haven't answered your question. I don't know how. I just did the best I could. That's a good attempt. <laughs> now we move into our final round. The lightning round, Bridges to Excellence, Inspired Leadership in Payments and FinTech. Okay, Obi, in this segment, I pose a question and you respond with a single word or one sentence. Shall we begin? <laughs> yeah, let's try it. I'll try to be nice. <laughs> okay, the road not traveled. I wish I could have been a public company CEO. What does success mean to you? Absolute happiness. What is the best advice you ever received? You need to take off that lead life jacket, sonny. 
What one book would you recommend to our listeners and why? It's a little old-fashioned and out of favor today, but I would recommend that more of us should read the Bibles of our faith a little more and understand the principles and teachings. Good. What is your favorite quote in leadership or otherwise that inspires you? That was a that was a tough one, but treat others with respect. Treat everybody with respect. Who is your hero of all times and why? You know, Desmond, I've never picked a hero. There are so many good examples of leadership out there. I had a really good mentor one time, a gentleman named Lowell Thomas, when I worked for the bank. And Lowell was a tough boss. I mean, he was really a tough, hard boss. But he was thoughtful. He was sharing. And he wanted to to train the people that worked for him. He was tough, and you had to be hard. You had to understand his style. But he was one of the best bosses I've ever had. Taught me a lot. Good things and bad things about who I want to be and who I should be and how I should work. Okay. What is one thing the people you work with would be surprised to learn? I'm a softy. <laughs> okay. Got you. Now, wine or bourbon, what's your favorite? Wine. But I like both. <laughs> what is one thing you like both? I like both. What is one thing that has you fired up right now? This is a quasi-political statement. I just wish, Desmond, that our country was not so divided. I wish we could, on both sides of the fence, find something that would unify us together to move forward. We're a powerful country, and I just wish we could learn how to get along work together. Obi, it's been fun. <laughs> Taking us on your journey from your backstory to your new partnership at Wesley Hills Financial, all while sharing along the way nuggets of insightful wisdom. And of course, for that, we're grateful. So cheers to you, my friend. Thank you, Desmond. And best wishes for continued success. A legend in payments, indeed. Now, any parting thoughts to share or comments before we wrap up? Yeah, I touched on this briefly. Um, I suggest to people, um, be true to yourself, right? Um, have, a, have some type of or some set of guiding principles that drive you forward every day. Some anthem that you can sing to yourself. And then... Be good, be kind, be fair in the process. Being a boss doesn't mean you have to be a hard person that doesn't care, that is not concerned with the people they work with. But have your set of guiding principles and follow those. Obi, thanks for being on our show. And to our listeners, as always, 
Thank you for your time. And never forget, the more you expect from yourself, the more you will accept. You've been listening to Bridges to Excellence podcast, inspired leadership in payments and fintech. Be sure to join us next time for more conversations with another of your colleagues in payments and fintech. Insightful conversations in their journey to excellence. For transcripts and other materials covered on the show, visit us at DesmondNicholson.com.